0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to Naples United Church of Christ on this beautiful October morning. I'm Reverend Angela Wells Bean and I serve as your minister for congregational care. You'll notice that my clergy colleague Reverend Dr. David Greenhaw is not with us this morning. He is out of town enjoying some vacation time with his spouse Lee, but I am not alone in worship. I am being assisted by Susan Milik. Many of you know her, longtime church member and a member of our staff as our events coordinator, and we're blessed to have her assisting this morning. So thank you, Susan. Um, So thank you to those who are here in person and online. We are so glad to have you this morning and a special welcome to the folks who are at Arbor Trace worshiping with us. We're glad that you're able to be together and join us for worship. I'd like to ask you now to register your attendance with us. And so if you are in person, that means grabbing the blue attendance pads at the end of your pew and filling them out and passing them along to your neighbor we also love you to put in your contact information so we can make sure we have all that in our database. We really do look at these slips that you fill out. And if you are online, please write your name in the comment section so we know that you're worshiping with us today. And while you're there, you can click on the link that will open up the, bulletin, the PDF of the bulletin so you can follow along in worship. I want to give you a quick hurricane update. Many folks have been waiting anxiously to hear about what our church is doing to respond to the effects of Hurricane Ian. And thanks to our interim director of children's ministries, Jeannie Snedeker. Uh, She doesn't know I'm putting her on the spot. Um, She has initiated a relationship between our church and the foundation for lee county schools and the the children in lee county need a lot of support so you can read in your bulletins about all the items that we are collecting for the Lee County Schools, um, and then as items start coming in, we'll be seeking volunteers to sort the items and deliver them up to Lee County, so stay tuned for that. And we're also collecting funds for the, the Collier Cares Fund through the Collier Community Foundation. So that's all in your bulletin. Um, I know some people already started bringing in donations today. There was a table in the narthex, so thank you. And that collection will be going on as long as, long as those items are needed. Um, really quickly, today we have another forum between worship services. So stay after this service. Go to N207 in Nelson Hall. We're going to have an intersections forum in which John Bachman, who's right there, will be interviewing Judge Dane Tubergen about the intersection of his professional life and his life of faith. So head over to Nelson two, oh, 207 excuse me, right after worship for that. And then I have a few things I want to bring to your attention coming up this week. The first thing is tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m., we are having a program called Building for the Future. It's co-sponsored by our Justice Committee and our Board of Mission and Outreach, and we are bringing the CEO of Habitat for Humanity and of the Immokalee Fair Housing Alliance and both of these folks from Habitat and the IFHA are going to speak about the critical housing crisis in our area, which, if it wasn't bad before, is even worse now because of the effects of the hurricane. Um, And so this topic has ever greater urgency. So join us tomorrow at 4 p.m. in Beverly Hall to hear those two housing experts speak about what's going on and what we can do. Um, And then if you are missing David today, you can join him later in the week. He will be offering, I think, his first educational event of his time with us. It's called Significant Scripture Studying the Bible, and it's this Thursday at 930. So what better person than a seminary president to talk to us about studying the Bible? So you'll want to join us on Thursday morning at 930. And then next Sunday, we're looking a week ahead, a week from today, there is so much going on. You don't want to miss worship. Um, For those who are interested in church membership, we have a prospective member luncheon after the 11 a.m. service. So you're welcome to join us for that, to learn more about joining the church. We will bless the the Guatemala travelers. A group of us is going to Guatemala on October 31st, so we will be blessed in worship next Sunday. And then we have something else going on, but I can't—I can't remember. Oh, yeah, there, there's something else going on next Sunday. Oh my gosh. Becky! It's the biggest day of the year. It's, it's not Christmas. It's, it's not Easter. It's music gift fun Sunday. That's right. <laughs> so join us next Sunday for all of those things and music gift fun Sunday. And now let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship.
1: Come, you who are thieves, rogues, adulterers, and tax collectors. Come, you who are righteous, pious, prayerful, and faithful. Come, you who sin a little. Come, you who sin a lot. In this house of faith all are welcome to join in the worship of God. And I invite you to turn to your bulletins to join us in the prayer of invocation. You remind us, O God, that all our religious practices are not worth anything if we use them to bend. This morning, at the start of our worship together, We come to you in humility and repentance, ready to encounter you in love so that we have the courage and the faith to do your will. Amen.
0: I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Let us pray. God of patience and mercy, We come to you in prayer like the tax collector, whom we will hear about in just a few moments. We lift up our arms and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Just as he did not feel worthy to enter the temple, we are not worthy to be in this sacred house of worship. How blessed we are to be able to be here encountering you and one another. For those of us who feel like we are never enough, we always fall short. Remind us that we are enough just as we are. We are beloved and we don't have to do anything to earn your favor. For those of us who are a little too self-confident, remind us that we need you. We as individuals and we as a human species, we never would have gotten where we are without you. May we never be so focused on our shortcomings that we forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and may we never be so focused on our successes that we forget our need for you. We thank you, holy and gracious God, for all that is going well in our lives, and we ask for support in all the ways in which we're struggling, and we ask for your healing balm for all who are in pain. We pray for the continued hurricane recovery efforts here in Florida, and we ask for your continued guidance on how we might be of service. We pray for the ongoing war in Ukraine, that there is a swift end to the violent madness. And we pray for all those nations around the world that are in turmoil, Britain and Haiti and other unsettled countries, we ask for your steady hand to calm the chaos. You, almighty God, know all of our prayers, those spoken aloud and those offered in the silence of our hearts, those prayers we might not even be able to put words to. And we lift all of them up in the name of your Son, Jesus, the risen Christ, who first taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Our scripture lesson this morning is from Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, like thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his chest and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, this man, the tax collector, went down to his home, justified rather than the other, the Pharisee. For all who exalt themselves Will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted.
0: Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations on all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, throughout my entire life, my dad and I have had running, ongoing inside jokes much the chagrin of the rest of our family members. And to this day, we've never been accused of having a highbrow sense of humor. But one of our jokes as I was growing up, on occasion I would look up at my dad and I would say, Dad, are you humble? And he would puff out his chest and put his hands on his hips and he would say, Angela, you know I'm the most humble. And I'd look up and say, Nuh-uh, I'm the most humble. And then we would carry on about who was more humble. And this is sort of what is happening in today's story, except that it's not an argument between a father and a daughter or even two people. It's the Pharisee praying to God. He is a highly respected religious leader, and his prayer sounds something like this. Almighty God, I thank you. I thank you that I am not like those other people. Thank you that I am not like my next-door neighbor who is out playing a round of golf right now instead of attending worship. I thank you, God, that I am not like that person in the other political party who does not understand your will for our nation. Or even thank you, God, that I am not that frazzled-looking parent sitting two rows over who clearly doesn't have their act together. Bless their hearts, God. I am here every Sunday morning. I pledge faithfully. I serve on three important church committees. Oh, God, I am your humble servant. Amen. Now, for clergy, this story hits a little close to home because the Pharisee, the one called holy by society, the one walking up to his house of worship ready to preach from his pulpit wearing his clerical garb, this is the example Jesus uses as a cautionary tale. This is a person Jesus tells us not to be like, do not be like that religious leader. That is one of the risks of being clergy. We can start to feel a little too self-important. We think we're pure in heart. We devote our lives to serving God and the church. We're not in it for the money or the prominence or the accolades. I am a servant in the service of others, or as my dad would say, I am a lowly and humble servant just like Christ. Now, this story is tricky because Jesus, he tells us not to be like the Pharisee, but the Pharisee is actually doing all the right things, and he's not lying about it. Presumably, he is not a thief, a rogue, a tax collector, or a murderer. It is very plausible that he does fast twice a week, and he does give a tenth of his income to the church. He is set apart from others because of his faithful adherence to the law. And he is righteous according to the standards set by Luke and Jesus themselves. So what is his problem? His grave mistake is that the Pharisee is completely unaware of the source of his blessings. He is unaware of his reliance on God and he puts his trust in himself. His prayer, as he calls it, really is just a self-congratulatory pep talk masked as a prayer. He thinks the sources of his righteousness are his own actions and his own being. The Calvinist theologian Karl Barth says that pride is the Pharisee's chief sin. In the world of this Pharisee, there are two kinds of people. We've got righteous folks and immoral folks And it's really convenient that he has identified himself as righteous. It's also convenient when the contestant is also the judge. In contrast, the tax collector has no means by which to claim righteousness. Not only has he done nothing of merit, he has offended the law of Israel by working for the corrupt Roman Empire. And he probably has stolen from people as a tax collector. This is why he is reluctant to go into the temple. He doesn't think he's worthy. And so he stands back and he goes by himself to pray. And he throws himself on the mercy of God and says, I have done nothing to earn your favor. And I have nothing to offer. The Pharisee is sinful because he's so focused on how much better he is than other people But what the tax collector understands is that it's not about people. This story is about God's grace, about how God alone can judge the human heart, about how God alone justifies us. And I'll come back to that word justify in just a moment. He understands and his focus is on God. And the main message of this parable, if we take nothing else away from it, is to keep our focus on God. That's it. If your thoughts and your prayers invoke comparisons of others, you can rest assured that you have veered into self-righteous territory. People get so worried about other folks. In Jesus' time, it was thieves, rogues, adulterers, and murderers. But who might be in our comparison prayers today? Someone we disagree with? Someone we think is a sinner? Someone we think needs Jesus? Oh God, thank you so much for not making me like... So and so. Well, the truth is that we all need to get right with Jesus. We all have our sins. We all fall short. None of us are as humble as we should be. And if you think you are, you definitely are not. None of us are as kind, as generous, as loving, or as compassionate as we could be. So don't worry about your neighbor's sins. You've got enough of your own sins to worry about. Don't compare yourself to others. The focus shouldn't be on us, but on realizing God as the ultimate source of all of our blessings and then serving that ultimate source throughout the course of our lives. Now, our ability to thank God for all that we have and serve God, our ability fluctuates throughout our lives. Sometimes we're better. Sometimes we're not as great. And I was online this past week and I saw one of those targeted ads. You know, those ads that show up on your web browser and you're like, oh, I know this was shown just for me. Well, I saw a sweatshirt and it said, God loves you and I'm trying. You'll be proud to know that I resisted an impulse buy, I didn't buy it. But we are all trying. So do your best not to worry about the stranger who did something you deem immoral because you don't know their story. Unless you are a thief, a rogue, an adulterer, or a murderer, don't worry about them either. Because at the end of the day, God isn't going to ask you what someone else did. You're going to be held accountable for your life the life you led, the choices you made with the options you had. And this parable invites all of us to submit ourselves wholly and completely before God because the truth is that we all need God's mercy, even and especially the clergy. We who think we are do-gooding world changers, it would do us some good to remember that we are not saving the world God already has. And in our story, Jesus tells us the tax collector went down to his home justified and the other did not. Our justification is not obtained by doing things, even really good and faithful things. We are justified by God's grace, and we have to do nothing to earn God's favor. God's love is poured out for us, irrationally and unconditionally, and that is the incredible gift that God offers to every one of us, a sinner. I know in the UCC we don't really use that S word very often, but it's true. We are sinners, but the good news is sola gratia, sola alone, gratia, grace, justified by God's grace alone. And that doesn't mean we have to practice self-flagellation, but simply realize that we need God. We are fully reliant on God. We cannot do this life without God. Thanks be to God, because if we ever had to earn God's favor, we never would. Now, I know that we live in a culture that is a supposed meritocracy. I do the right things. I experience rewards for them. Our culture values independent achievements, and this goes against all those sensibilities. So if you're thinking to yourself, I hear you, Angela, but that just doesn't seem fair. That's not right. That's the rub. That's God's ways versus the dominant U.S. culture butting up against one another. I work hard. I give sacrificially, I check all the boxes, and you're telling me that that guy over there who hasn't gone to church a day in his life, let alone given a penny to the church, the guy who has a mistress and lies on his taxes and doesn't even put away his grocery cart, you're telling me that he is also the recipient of God's grace. Yeah, yeah, he is. God's grace is not a limited commodity. We don't have to fight for it. God's love for those you deem unworthy doesn't undercut God's love for you. Because by the way, you fall short too. Jesus said a little something about not worrying about the speck in your neighbor's eye because you've got a log in your own. Stop the comparisons. That's what Jesus is saying. Focus on God. Those who rely on God and understand God to be the source of all that is good in our lives, we will be exalted. And those who think that they have earned all that they have and they are grateful only to themselves, they will eat a slice of humble pie. Just like my dad, be the most humble of all and keep your focus on God. Amen. We thank you, O God, for all that we have been blessed with. And this morning we return a portion of those blessings back to you. Please pour your blessings upon these gifts that in our giving we might be reminded to keep our focus on you. As you go from this place, remember to keep your focus on God and to thank God as best you are able for all the blessings in your life. And may you never forget that you are a beloved child of God. You are created in God's image and I pray that you go from this place in peace. Amen.